Well, good morning. How are you? <clears throat> How many of you were surprised by the car show this morning when you rolled up? <clears throat> good, good. Now, don't, don't necessarily raise your hand. Uh, you knew people that rolled in. It's like, whoa, what kind of church is this? Uh, uh, we love the car show. And I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I know he's not in here. But really, uh, the energy, the focus, who gets this amazing team put together is Pastor Paul Lowell. He does an amazing job. Will you just join me in just thanking him? And I'm going to call you into action, and he'll hate this, okay? So uh, blame somebody else, okay? Um, But when you see him, will you just encourage him? Say, Paul, thank you. Appreciate that. I, I'll, I, I know what he'll say, okay? But just, uh, I, mean, I just appreciate that guy. He's an amazing man. Well, this morning I'm going to bring the message, and we are continuing in our series from John 17. So if you need a Bible, shoot your hand up, and oh, I don't see them waiting for a Bible. Don't hold it up too long. Go ahead and put it down. Um, um, and when I see them ready, I'll get them going. But we're going to be in John 17, and we are continuing our series in John 17. And John 17 is this powerful, powerful place in Scripture. Uh, Many people call it the Holy of Holies in Scripture. Uh, And it's because of just where where it finds itself. And it finds itself here. Jesus is praying the longest prayer of Jesus recorded. And this is just hours before he's arrested and ultimately crucified. And so when someone kind of speaks a last word, guess what? You lean in, and especially when it's Jesus. So we looked at this, and what he talks about, we called our series Perfectly One. So shoot your hands up now. If you need a Bible, they'll get it to you, okay? They'll come down there, and uh, John 17. We called the series Perfectly One. True unity with God and one another. Because what Jesus does when he's praying, of all the things that Jesus could say, What does he pray for? Our unity. And so we need to take that very, very seriously. Uh, Next week is our last week in this series, and Pastor Ken will be here, and he will preach that, just kind of bring it all together. And what we've been doing is walking through uh, the topics that Jesus brought up as he prays, how can we get to this Unity, how can we be perfectly one? Uh, Stuart and Amanda just absolutely killed it week one in their first sermon. Uh, Pastor Ken came in and talked about the mission we're on. Mark last week, uh, again, he's just awesome. He killed it. Um, And so this week, I get to bring the message, and it's titled, One Home. See, we have one home. We are united as believers in this. This isn't our home. That is our home. But it begs this question. How are we to live in this world when that's our home? So how are we to live in this world when that world's our home? And as I started thinking about this message, I was reminded of my my previous home on Orcas Island. Uh, How many of you have ever been to Orcas Island? Shoot your hand up. We were there 15 years. and uh, You know, it's kind of funny when you're somewhere a long time, you keep calling it home, right? Some of you, when you tell me home, it's back east or it's somewhere else, right? Um, so we're still trying to, but that's kind of home there still, and this is becoming home. But I started thinking about that there. And uh, the beautiful Orca Island is what it's called, right? And it is beautiful. 
The place is beautiful. Uh, people, for the most part, are beautiful. What's not, okay, for a Christian living there, a pastor there, um, was the culture. I would say it's non-Christian, but more than that, it's anti-Christian. It's actually hostile toward Christians. And, you know, I could tell you a bunch of little stories about that, but one of them, I was in my office, um, and someone came, and as a lady, and she wanted to talk to me. And she told me this, she says, um, I am an ex-witch, and I just wanna let you know that the covenant witches here on the island are praying against you and your family. Okay, I don't know if you've ever had someone come and announce that to you, uh, but that, right? But it just takes you back, it's like, whoa! Um, and, and it kind of throws you off balance. But it just took me a few seconds to kind of collect myself and say, wait, wait, I'm not afraid of that. It has nothing on me. My security is on that. This is not my home. Go, do, pray all you want, right? You don't want me praying, right? Because <laughs> I serve a powerful God. This is not my home. And in John 17, that is what Jesus uh, wanted for his followers, his apostles, and us to hear. Listen to what he says. Verse 16. And this is kind of cool. As Jesus is praying to the Father here, they're standing there right with him. Because what happened, I believe, is they were in the upper room, right? He was preparing them for his departure, and he gets up, and, and they start heading toward the Garden of Gethsemane where he'll be arrested. And he does a couple things. I actually think he went through a vineyard, John 15, he went there. And I think at some point in time, he stops and he looks up. They're standing around his apostles, and he prays. This is what they hear him say to the Father. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. They are not of the world, he says. What he's saying is, this is not your home. You're not of this place. And he wants us to hear this. This is not our permanent home. We are citizens of heaven, not here. And when you're a citizen of heaven, that is where your allegiance is. It's where your identity is. It's where your security is. It's where your influence comes from. And ultimately, it's where your hope is in. And there's a good reason for that, okay? It's a nice place, just so you know. Check this out, Revelation 21. Here's your home. I'm gonna describe it, okay? So if you're still trying to pay off that house or get a new house, here's your house. You already, it's already paid, too. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, <clears throat> prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. Check this out. And God himself will, will be with them as their God. My favorite part of this section. This is what I long for. Um, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Whew. For the former things have passed away. It is a great home. So here's the question. Okay, can't wait to get there. How do we live here? How do we live here? 
So we're gonna look at John 17 and hopefully try to answer that. So we're gonna look at that first point is our way. How do we go about life here? What way do we do this? How do we do it? And the first thing that you have to understand is our mess here. John 17, 13 through 14 talks about kind of the mess we're in. And there's some good news and there's some bad news, okay? Do you want the good news first or the bad news? Who likes to hear bad news first? How many like to hear good news? That's just a few of you, okay? Since I wrote the message, um, we're gonna go with the bad news, okay? Um, You people who like the good news first, the only thing I can think of you do is you you plan to get out of there before they tell you the bad news, right? Um, Um, But the bad news here, John 17, verse 13 and 14. And I want you, if you're kind of a Bible writer, I want you to circle uh, verse 13, okay? And I want you to forever remember that. Uh, It's a more powerful scripture. It seems just kind of, but it's powerful because Jesus says, this is why I come to man and to speak before them. This is the why factor. Verse 13, but, but now I am coming to you He's talking to the Father. He's heading out, okay? He's preparing them for for his departure. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You catch that? I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. The bad news? The world will hate you. The world hates you. Strong words. It's not new news for them. Early in the upper room, he told them, hey, the world's gonna hate you, they hate you, um, and, uh, but don't worry, they hated me first. And for them, I'm thinking, they're probably kind of bummed out. They're probably thinking, great, because it's not really going that well for them at this point in time, just so you know. They're thinking, it's not gonna get any better, they're gonna keep hating us? Well, yes. But we need to ask this, okay? We think of the, the world hating us, a strong word, is what is this hate? What is this hate? So you have to go to Scripture. In Scripture, it, it gives uh, kind of three uh, references to the world, okay? And the first reference is a place, earth, the world. The second are people, the inhabitants, who God loves and we're called to love. With me? And the second, and this is what hates us, it's the principles, it's the values, it's the belief, it's the systems and the structure, the way of life. That is what hates us. So the battle is between the word, truth, and these principles and these beliefs and the system. Bam, that's the collision. Ephesians 6 tells us that it's not flesh and blood that we battle with. It's not people. So when it all kind of flares up, it's never about people. It always feels like it, but it never is. It's about the system and the way of doing things. I don't know if you've ever felt this hate. Can I get that water? Um, if you've ever felt this hate, um, but I experienced it, thank you. It's my wife. Um, and so, um, yeah. Uh, when you preach, Three services, here's the thing. You gotta make a decision, do I worship and sing all those songs and then come up here and speak? I choose to worship. So here's the deal. Um, Have you ever experienced hate? 
and I could tell a few different stories, but one in particular I want to share with you is I was a coach on Orcas, and there's this football player, great kid, um, great player, starter, all that stuff, and his mom was a team mom. So if some of you are parents, right? You know the team mom thing? Well, <clears throat> team mom, we're great friends. Uh, uh, she happened to be an atheist, but not kind of your run-of-the-mill atheist. She was an activist atheist, and she hated what I stood for. <clears throat> she hated uh, this Jesus thing that I represented. And I was good, I mean, you know, I just brought him in, you know what I mean? And she just hated that. Didn't like that the kids liked me, didn't like that I was making an impact there. And I was, I was good just to, you know, um, but she hated it. And she actually even went to Facebook. <laughs> and she wouldn't go after me, but say, uh, Christian coaches, they do this and do that. And she's really spun. Uh, There's a guy, I think, in Brimington or something, you know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> a coach that prayed after, right? <clears throat> so she used that and say, look at these Christian coaches. And this Christian coach does this and that. And our Christian coach does this. This is me. She's my friend. Uh, she was just mad and hated what I represented. It wasn't between us as people. It was the word and the world colliding and God does not want us to live this way. That's the good news. That is not how we are to live. We are called to live with joy. And it's really important when you say uh, live with joy, you have to understand that it's, it's a command, it's his purpose of sharing so that we will have this full joy. But when we say joy, I think there's a lot of time of confusion that happens. Because we think of happy. I'm joyful, I'm happy. And the problem with happy, happy, first of all, is not a promise. You're not promised to be happy because what happy is, it comes from your circumstances. So when something happens that you kind of like, right? That word happy actually is luck is that root word. So when you feel lucky, something happens in your favor, um, you get an emotional lift. Now that's not a bad thing. Just a, I want you to be happy. I like to be happy. I think God likes when we're happy. Um, but there's an emotional uplift. Uh, but it's dependent on circumstances. Happy is dependent on the circumstances and your interpretation of those circumstances. And it's not promised. Joy, on the other hand, is a promise. We call it in the Bible as an imperative. It's a, it's a command to be joyful. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Be joyful. But here's where joy comes from. It comes from a constant Something that secures you, something that is firm, a, a source outside of the circumstance. It, it's an anchor in the circumstance. And what that does is gives us emotional stability. We stand strong because we have joy outside of what's happening, yeah. right? Paul teaches that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says this, rejoice always. Rejoice is the kind of the expression of joy. Uh, rejoice always. How often? Always. 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 Pray without ceasing. Okay, that's that connection outside of the circumstances, right? And our connection, who do we pray to? Jesus. Pray through the Father, through Jesus and his work, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's our connection. We pray without ceasing. It's our constant. It's our firm foundation. 
in spite of the circumstances. And he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Okay, and you've heard this a million times if you've been around church. Um, it does not say for all circumstances. You with me? It says in, in these circumstances because some outside of the circumstance, Jesus, I will rejoice and I'm gonna be content. I'm gonna be content in spite of my circumstances. Okay. That uh, <laughs> sounds easy. Uh, but having joy in this world is not easy. We get bumped off joy so easily, so quickly, it's, it's embarrassing. You're driving down the freeway. Someone cuts you off. Bumped from joy, right? You're having a conversation with someone and they have a differing opinion. Boom, bumped off joy. You're at work. The boss makes a decision you don't like. Boom, bumped off joy. You know, your marriage isn't going well. Boom, bumped off joy. You go to a doctor's appointment and they give you a diagnosis. Bam, bumped off joy. It happens so quickly. But look what, how Jesus handled that in John 15. These things I have spoken to you. This is really important when he's speaking. This is in the upper room, hours before he's going to go to the cross. So he's talking to him. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. He says, I have joy. He's about to die one of the most um, heinous, horrible deaths known to this earth and all history. He's about to go there. And what's he say I have? Joy. This is my joy. And he says, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So this joy that I have in spite of the circumstances, I want you to have in spite of your circumstances. That's joy. How are we to live it? We are called to have joy like Jesus. We are called to have joy like Jesus. So another question then, how to have joy like Jesus. How to have joy like Jesus. How do we do this? You know, so what's our manner? How are we supposed to go about this? Verse 15 and 16 and also 18, it says this. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. That had to be a bummer when he's praying. That's like, ah, oh, rats, we gotta stay here. So don't pray against that, Jesus. But he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 18, just as you sent me, he's talking to the Father, just as you sent me into the world, so I am sending them. So how to have joy like Jesus? Uh, let's go to an eyewitness account. Okay, let's figure out how to do this. Uh, John, who wrote the Gospel of John, who was actually present um, in the upper room at this time. And John said that he's praying. John is there listening. He's hearing this. He ultimately writes 1 John as well. And then what he says in there is, this is how I have joy. You heard Jesus pray this? He's experiencing this. Here's how I do it. And that comes from closeness with Jesus. Closeness with Jesus. Here's how he describes it. 
of hearing him, of seeing Jesus, of touching Jesus. Imagine that, hearing Jesus. (laughs) That sweet, sweet voice of Jesus. Imagine hearing that. And then seeing him. Imagine seeing Jesus. Just that that poise, that character, that strength, that, that is our leader. That's our savior, look at him. He sees him. And I love this part, uh, touching him, physically touching him. Imagine that sweet, powerful, gentle, beautiful embrace. John talks about it, just, you know, cuddling with Jesus, basically. He takes him in and loves him like a child. You know, it's kind of funny when you're, a, you know, even older, you know, you, you, you know I'm getting kind of old. Um, but when I was um, 20s, I'll say that, okay? <clears throat> Wasn't it good to get a hug from your parents? Remember that? Remember going to their house and sitting on their couch and like, ah, oh, no responsibility. This feels good again, right? Um, uh, it's just like that. It's just being with them. It's beautiful um, because when we do this, uh, Scripture also talks about tasting him. That's what, tasting him. What that is is taking in his goodness, taking him all in, right, deep, deep inside of us. Uh, Stuart and Amanda t- talked about this, and it's called intimacy with him. And they did a good job. I don't need to teach on that at all. Um, but they did an amazing job of what it is to, to be intimate with Jesus, to be close, deep, committed, walk with him. And this causes, when we do this, two things. The first thing is cause something called fading, okay, fading. And I'll give you two analogies of what fading is so you can understand it. Um, uh, I'll start with this, okay. Um, I have been with my wife, dating all that since we were in middle school. Okay, and you can tell by my age and uh, some of the spots up here that uh, that was a long time ago, okay? Um, and with that is, uh, and I've been a one-woman man, okay? And, and the guys come around and I'll do my, hey, one girl, gone, you know? How do you do that? You know, there's, there's more fish in the sea, right? You hear that? Is that a good guy voice? Um, um, uh, <laughs> um, and I say this, it's easy. And here's how it's easy. I said, I choose her every moment. Okay, I'm not perfect. All right, she's right there, right? I wish she wasn't here. No. <laughs> I choose her every moment. Whether I'm with her or not, every moment, every thought, everything that comes across my screen, my ear, um, I try to choose her. And what happens when I choose her, guess what happens? Those other fish, they start disappearing. They're out of view. There's no space for them. I just see her. And it's beautiful, right? You can tell. Um, there's another analogy I want to use, and guys, you'll like this. It's a football analogy, okay? Um, so prepare yourself for this one. Uh, okay, I used to be a wide receiver. Now I've grown into a linebacker, and I think I'll end up an offensive lineman before it's done. Um, but... Um, uh, I used to be a receiver um, and catching a pass, okay? Especially a touchdown pass, okay? So that quarterback comes back, rears up, boom, and, and flings it, and you're doing your thing, you're getting out there, all of a sudden there, you're open, right? And here comes the ball. And this coolest thing happens, okay? As you're running and you're looking there, all, all of a sudden what happens is you just start focusing on that ball. And what starts happening, what you, Wives, you're watching your husband right now? They go, oh, yeah, I remember, I remember, because it's cool. Um, and that ball starts getting slower and slower and slower. It's just cool. And it's just almost floating there, right? 
Um, and all of a sudden something else happens. All the noise starts going away uh, to a point that is absolute silence, okay? And then something else happens. All of a sudden everything, all the sights and sounds are, starts getting fuzzy. And the only thing you see is this ball coming at you, okay? Uh, and a cool story, I heard Jermaine Curse, okay, talk about uh, his catch, okay, you know where I'm going, right, um, is an NFC championship, sorry Packer fans, an NFC champion game, right, to go to the Super Bowl in overtime, remember that? He talked about that, he talked about when he caught that pass, it was there. he heard nothing, saw nothing, except that ball, um, and we know what's happening because we were going nuts. 70,000 people were going crazy. Is it, is it going? Is it going to get there? Is it, is, it, is it? And it started coming. It's like, yeah, yeah. And it went nuts. And he said, until he got up off the ground and he felt it all, right? And that's what I have. That's fading, okay? When you are focused on something and a thing, the competing things disappear. And that's what happens. That's what John says. I'm connected here. My fellowship with Jesus gets stronger when I am intimate and focused on him. And what happens is, your joy increases. Your joy starts getting full and full because what you have and you're focused on, you see it for what it is worth. And it's not distracted with anything else. What manner? How are we to, to have this joy like Jesus? We see about being intimate. We also see this, is to, uh, closeness to live with him and, and how that is lived out. And we see it in the father and the son relationship. One thing that makes this prayer in John 17 just amazing is you get a chance to watch the son talk to the father, right? It's so cool, it's just beautiful, okay? So let's look at that and say, okay, how do we have joy like Jesus? Um, we look at that, because remember he says, just as you sent me into the world, so the same way Jesus did, right? We're gonna go about it. And what we see in that relationship is Jesus was home focused. And the word like he was locked in. Right? You heard that word? It's kind of a, getting real popular right now. I'm locked in. I'm dialed in. Um, he did only what the Father's will was. He was fixed on his Father's world and not this world. He impacted this world, but he was fixed on the Father's world. That's what he was locked in at. He was not caught up by the practices and principles and the values of this world. Okay? He came just to work and have an impact on that, but that wasn't informing him what he's gonna do and how he's gonna do life. He was locked in. We also see that uh, Jesus was home committed. He did whatever the Father asked him. The phrase we use, he was all in, all in. Nothing was untouchable. He was open-handed. Anything that the Father wanted, he would do. You know, he didn't leave just a little portion over here. Well, I'm gonna kind of do this, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I'll do this, but I won't do that, right? That wasn't Jesus. It was anything. Look at Hebrews 12 too, okay? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Check this out. You know where I'm going. Uh, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Would he do anything? Yes. He gave his life up. You want that, Father? Here it is. Anything, everything, all in he was. I will do that. I'll endure the cross. But here's what's cool. Here's what he got when he gave up everything. Who for the joy that was set before him, what was on the other side of that? Joy. Joy. 
And we always think we're missing out. We're going to, oh, no, we, we can't do this. or We're missing out. We don't have this or that. No, no. There is a great joy of living out faith with Jesus. There's a problem, okay? In every story, there's always a villain, right? And you have to know the villain. Our villain, it says here, is the evil one. And Jesus prays the Father that he would keep the evil one from us. What's the evil one's mission, okay? Is to be a joy robber, to be a thief that steals our joy. He does it by stealing, killing, and destroying things, and lying, and taking the focus off the works of God in our life that lead to the abundant life that he has for us, the joy. It's a joy robber. That's what the evil one does. So let's see, how does he do this? Let's kind of scout this out. And we look at Jesus' temptation. Uh, when he was in, in the desert, the Spirit led him to the desert, and he was tempted by Satan, so he's got some experience. Um, and so we look at there, he, he, what the uh, evil one does is he, he changes our focus, kind of bumps us off joy. First thing he does is he, he uses our desires. He makes us think this is, oh, we don't have enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough of this. I don't have of that. Um, this relationship's not good enough, okay? They don't like me enough. I need a better job. All this, uh, I don't have enough. Boom, bumped off joy. He uses doubts. Is God really listening? Is he there? Does he hear me? Does he know my pain? Does he know what the doctor just said? Is he there? Boom, bumped off joy. He uses our pride. You can have all this, what he tells Jesus. You know, I'm going to be the master of my own domain. I'm going to be, you know, self-centered. It's about me. I'm going to get mine while I'm here, right? Man, and that is fleeting. And boom, that's a huge shove off joy. And what Jesus uses, he uses truth to defend that and win that. And the truth is, we're to live life with joy, we get that when we do this, when we live like Jesus. When we live like Jesus is when we get the joy like Jesus. So what are our resources to do this? Okay, we're supposed to do that, but what resources do we have to live like Jesus and have the joy of Jesus? What are our means to do that? Verse 17 and 19 kind of points to it for us. It says, sanctify them in the truth. Okay, sanctifies this, or it just means to set apart, okay, to set apart. So set them apart in your truth. Your word is truth. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. That's setting apart, but doing it willingly, right? Um, and this is Jesus talking. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. So what of our means? First of all, it's the work of Jesus. It's what he did. That Jesus consecrated or surrendered himself to be a ransom for us on that cross so that we would not have to pay the price of sin, that we wouldn't have to have the, the weight or bear that weight and deal with the sorrow of sin. He's gonna take our sorrow and turn to what? Joy. That's what he's gonna do, okay? He does that for us, and he does that by giving us access, okay? When he goes to that cross, what he says is, you get to connect to your new home, our one home, now and forever. Right now, you can connect with heaven through prayer and Jesus, what he's doing, right? Throne of God is right here. And he gives us access for that. 
And here's the thing, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way that you will access the full joy that God has for us. The only way, that's the work. That's what he surrendered himself to do. He consecrated, stepped in, surrendered. So the next thing is, what is our work? What do we do? Okay, woo, thank you, Jesus. And that's what's cool, he did all the work. We don't have to do very much. It's pretty easy what we have to do. It's just, about, oh, we just gotta step into what, he sanctified us, he did it. Okay, so we just step into it. But what we have to do is we have to go into that truth. We have to go into the truth of his word. And there we will find some things that help us find and discover joy. The first thing we find in that truth is what God has done for us. On that cross, he says these words, it is finished. Our identity is secure as his sons and daughters. No one could snatch you away. This is the anchor you have. It is already done. God has done it. You can have joy right now. It's finished. But it's cool, look what he's doing. Uh, We also find what God is doing, that he is active and actively working in our lives. He is crafting us into a masterpiece. So he's doing a great work in our lives. And sometimes it's amazing, cool things. You see him, whoa, this is great. Other times, wait for it, (laughs) is other times he's exercising some muscles that are pretty weak in us. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of hard. It's tough. But go with me here. It's good. It's good. I've watched many, many boys throw up on football fields uh, because of this whistle I could blow and they would go. But I tell you what, when they won the games, were they thankful for that tough time? Yep, right? Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's tough. But it's good. He has good for you. And he's making you a masterpiece. What we find too is what God is saying to us. He is actively communicating to you, calling you higher, calling you into that masterpiece and that good work. And he's speaking to you and say, come on, let's do this thing. Uh, our worship pastor, Josh, will be up here in a few minutes. I love it. He asked me this question all the time. And he says, what is God saying to you? I think you ask everybody, but, um, but I love it. What is God saying to you? What's he speaking? What's he inviting you into? Uh, and it's cool to sit and say, God, do I hear you? What are you doing? Where are you calling me to? Where are you calling me higher to? So what is God saying? Uh, and so as we look at those things, as we go to these truths that he has for us, there's something else we have to do, okay? Is you have to leave, okay? In order to go somewhere, the first thing you have to do is leave someplace else. You with me? Yes. First thing you gotta do, gotta leave someplace else. 2 Corinthians 6 talks about this. And God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them. Stay with me in this case. So you don't, uh, says Lord, don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you, okay? What you have to understand there, and I'll finish this and I'll talk about this. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. What he's not saying is get away from people, right? Remember what the battle is? It's their practices and those things. It's not people. You press into everybody. Believe or non-believe, I don't care where they're at, what they believe, what they do. You step in. That's what Jesus is, okay? In the world, but not of it, okay? 
but don't latch on to their ways and their practice and their beliefs and their values. You with me? That's what we're supposed to leave and go away from, okay? And what we step into is him. And guess what? And that's different. But he says this is so cool. Uh, when we live differently, it generates hope in us, joy. Here's what's cool. You ready? Um, people will come and say, what is that that you live with? What's that hope that you have? Tell me about that. Guess what you get to say? Jesus. That's the joy of Jesus. Hey, I know your life's going tough. How do you do that? Stepped into Jesus. I'm not doing that. Billy, your life's working out a little better than mine. Why is that? Jesus. The joy of Jesus. Focus. It's my anchor. I'm steadfast in that. And that's what we have. So we must surrender like Jesus. We must surrender like Jesus. Surrender the world's ways to gain the full joy that the Father has for us. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And I want to talk about our response to this. What do we do? We have to make some tough choices, right? We have to make some hard choices that we're not used to making. Because most of us are caught between two worlds. Colossians 3.2 says this, is set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are here. We have to make a hard decision. Are you going to change or focus? And look at our one home and not this world. It's tough because we are entrenched. A lot of times we've been trained up in how to think like this world and not that world and have the joy that Jesus has. So we have to change our focus. And it's one of the most difficult things that you're going to do is to change your focus. And I'm going to call you up, put some heat on you, okay? Because there's joy and I want joy for you. He wants joy for you. Is to change your focus. Change your focus. Set your mind on things above and ask yourself some really hard questions. You ready? What is robbing you of your joy? What is robbing you of your joy? What's bumping you off joy? Sometimes it's subtle, it's little. What is taking your focus off of your one home in this kingdom? What has kind of got you? What's grabbed your attention? What are you holding on to? In what area of your life are you trying to live in two different worlds? Because here's the thing about that is a miserable, miserable existence. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of doing that? Aren't you tired of having a marriage uh, that isn't kingdom focused? Are you tired of parenting and trying to two worlds? Are you tired of doing your finances, right? In two different worlds? Are you tired of being on the internet in two different worlds? God wants all of it. And he's going to give you full joy. So here's our response. Romans 12 is, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Check this out. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I love the Passion Translation just came out. Um, verse two read it from that. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. 
satisfying and perfect in his eyes and it will bring you joy. So I'm gonna invite some people up here to pray uh, and we're gonna worship. We're gonna worship the joy giver. We're gonna celebrate that we have that because of him and an opportunity to us to come pray together and celebrate that. Maybe you do wanna come and say, I'm tired of this. I, uh, there's joy being robbed for me and I'm just gonna pray for it. Uh, maybe you want us to lay hands on you know, for healing, uh, whatever. It's just families pray together. And that's who we wanna be. We wanna pray together. So I'm gonna invite people up here to pray and let's stand here and let's worship the joy giver. <laughs>